buddy, you that fish boy from the TV? It's fish man. My son, you could unite our worlds one day. The land and the sea. I'm not a king. The world needs something more. A hero. Aquaman. Episode 264. There's already like 7 million podcasts Talking about pop culture and all that Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat But it's all been done before and we don't want to be a copycat We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap Good it, toss it, good it, taste it Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it Let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over like a vulture Carry over, counterculture, pushover Pop culture Leftovers Leftovers. Joker here, the clown prince of crime, and you're listening to my least favorite podcast, Pop Culture Leftovers. <laughs> Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian, I'm a leftover, and Jake is not with us tonight. Jake is working. Honestly, I don't even think he's seen the movie, people, so uh, hopefully he'll get around to seeing this one. We'll get his thoughts on Aquaman at a future date. But with us this week, I do have two guests. Guest number one, the one and only, Matt Kirby. Welcome back, dude. Hey, guy. How you doing? Good, good. Glad to have you on for Aquaman review and uh joining us uh pretty much a mainstay lately rebecca welcome back it's because i have no life so when you call and say do you want to be on i go sure let me just clear my schedule of nothing that i was doing and here i am thanks it's for a having relief me, because I, I was worried that we wouldn't hear your voice next week oh you know what shut up Matt. nobody whatever just shut up i was so nice in the pre-recording session how are you, Rebecca? Oh, it's so nice to talk to you, Rebecca. And then I have to turn the bitchy on as soon as we're recording. <laughs> I don't know if what Rebecca said was like a compliment or a cry for help. It was uh, a little, dis- <laughs> little disturbing, but I'm, I'm happy to have both of you on. Uh, this week we're talking all about James Wan's new Aquaman. This is Warner Brothers' sixth film in the DCEU. And uh, that's what we are talking about this week. 100% Aquaman. Arthur Curry learns that he is the heir to the underwater kingdom of Atlantis and must step forward to lead his people and be a hero to the world that's directed, like I said, by James Wan. James Wan revealed, I found this out, found this pretty interesting, too, that he had the choice of what film he wanted to direct between The Flash and Aquaman. And he chose Aquaman because he is the underdog. So found that pretty interesting i don't know what a james wan flash would look like but uh somebody did someone uh pass out yeah, sorry i knocked a chair sorry <laughs> guys i am a little bit under the weather this week so if i'll try not to cough into the mic but if it happens it happens and i apologize um but uh yeah james wan had the, i don't james wan flash i don't know i'm kind of glad that he stuck with aquaman here uh, this one's written by David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick, which sounds like the name of a law firm. Um, <laughs> David Leslie Johnson and McGoldrick. 
have you associates been, at law. Yeah. Have you been injured on the job? Call David Leslie Johnson and McGoldrick. <laughs> they, they do sound like ambulance chasers, don't they? Yes, they do. They definitely sound like ambulance chasers. Trusted uh, since 1982. Exactly. And then it's got like that picture of the scales and maybe, you know what I mean? In the yeah. background. Yeah. The, the, anyway. The uh, guy wearing the neck brace. Yeah. Thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> They got me 10 times with my insurance said they would offer me. Thanks, guys. We don't get paid unless your lawsuit is settled or won. Anyway, thank you, David Leslie Johnson and McGoldrick. Uh, this podcast is not sponsored by that law firm. Um, the screenplay, screenplay was by Will Beal. I believe, didn't Will Beal, and you guys may not know, was he involved? I think he did. The, the original Toy Story 4 script. And I think maybe he even worked on Justice League. I could be wrong. Don't know. But anyway, this movie stars Jason Momoa as Arthur Aquaman. Amber Heard as Mira. Willem Dafoe as Volko. Patrick Wilson as Ocean Master or King Orm. This is his second DC character. He was the Night Owl in Watchmen. We've got Nicole Kidman here as Atlanta. And uh, I found out that she had actually declined the role of Queen Hippolyta in Wonder Woman. And this is her. I didn't even know she was offered that. But that went to uh, what was her name from The Princess Bride? Robin Robin Wright. Wright. Yes. But she wasn't the queen. She was the. the... No, that was uh, you're right that she was the other one. She was the, Yeah, she was the other one. Connie Nielsen, I think, was the queen. Yeah, yeah. Robin Wright was the warrior lady. Yes. Yeah, I, I yes. sound so well-versed. <laughs> <laughs> Here's something I do know. This is Nicole Kidman's second comic-based film. She previously played Bruce Wayne's love interest in Batman Forever back in 1995. Saw that one in the theater. That was fun. Uh, let's see here. Dolph Lundgren as King Nereus. And he is the only actor to play two characters in both the Arrowverse, to play characters in both the Arrowverse and DCEU. He was in uh, six episodes of Arrow as Constantine Kovar. Yes, you're absolutely right. Yeah, and he was King Nereus here. Uh, We have Yahya Abdul-Mateen II as Black Manta. And then I found out that uh, the role of uh, Arthur's father... Jason Momoa specifically requested Tamura Morrison for the role of Arthur's father. Um, Morrison is uh, one of Momoa's acting idols in their native country of New Zealand, so I found that interesting. Um, Randall Park as Dr. Shin, and you guys will remember him. He also plays Jimmy Woo in the Ant-Man and the Wasp film. Ant-Man, uh, oh, I almost said Ant-Man. Aquaman is, uh, has an estimated budget of $160 million dollars and a runtime of two hours and 23 minutes. We're going to talk about this one, but first we are going to rate it. And if this is your first time listening, I want you to be aware of our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. I kind of know how Rebecca feels about this one. So I'm going to have you give your thoughts right now, Rebecca. Oh, I thought you were going to have Matt go first. Um, 
Yeah, so like it's it's no secret how I felt about Jason Momoa and Justice League. Um, I absolutely detest <laughs> detested him in that movie as that character of Aquaman. So going into this movie, I was very I don't know. I was prepared to be traumatized, but I hope I wasn't going to be traumatized. And um, you know, before the movie started, my friend asked me like, "What do you want from this movie?" And I said, "I would like to just see." character growth like i would like to see a little character growth from jason momoa going from you know my man to something else i would like him to grow as a character and uh, i'm not gonna lie i kind of got that in this movie and i was pleasantly surprised to see a little character growth i'm not talking huge but i saw some um this is a movie that i had a i had more fun than i thought i would um this movie is not terrible but it's not great. Um, this is a good movie. Um, I think it's fun. If you turn your brain off, you can have a lot of fun with this. Get your big popcorn, get your big soda, watch this movie. Um, the CG, there's a lot to unpack with that. I will say overall, I thought the CG was great. Um, and I thought a lot of the performances were good. I thought some were terrible. Um <laughs> But I, I know overall, I give this movie a solid taste it. I think you should see it in the theater to get the full experience. Um, but I don't. And then, you know, I hear people saying, like, this is the movie. Is this the movie that's going to, like, save the DCEU? I don't think any one movie can do that. But I think this is a step in the right direction. Um, so, yeah, solid taste it right down the middle. All right. Taste it from Rebecca. I'm going to go next, actually, because people got to hear, if you listen to the show regularly, people already got to hear my thoughts on it last week. And I gave it a taste it last week. My rating may have changed this week. Um, I I did see it again today. I saw it at the Amazon, uh, you know, uh, limited screening that they had on the 15th. And then I went again and watched it today. This time I watched it in 3D. I really wanted to see what Atlantis looked like in 3D and if that helped things at all. I will say that visually I think that this movie is pretty stunning. Um, some of the uh, special effects are really good. Some of them are not great, to be quite honest with you. I, the de-aging was good, but it's not great. You know, I'm always looking for the seams to where you can kind of see like where they've done the de-aging here. And I think that you know, Marvel has perfected it. They, they they own ILM, though, Industrial Light and Magic. And, and they weren't perfect with it at first. And I think they've gotten there. And I think down the road, DC will catch up with it. I think this is a huge improvement, though, um, with it, you know, with them not even being able to, like, successfully remove the mustache from Henry Cavill in Mission Impossible and Justice League. What are you talking about? That was flawless. Oh, I, I literally, Matt, I watched that today, that scene, and because I wanted to watch the Aquaman scenes in Justice yeah, yeah, League yeah. today, and it's on HBO, and you can fast forward really good on the on the HBO Go app. And it starts off with that scene, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, his mouth, his mouth looks like Homer Simpson's mouth. It is so bizarre. You, you know what? When when that scene came up in the cinema when we were sat there watching it, I actually started to get up and leave the cinema, and my wife sat me back down. At that point, I was like, I'm done. I can't even, I can't even do this. This is a joke. And she sat me back down at that point. Oh man! So yeah, it's I, like a 
minute into the movie. <laughs> I know, I know. I was already out the door. I, uh, I think that, uh, you know, they did the de-aging on Nicole Kidman. I think there were parts where she looked great, I, I, you know, where she, she looked like Nicole Kidman from 20-plus years ago. And then there were parts where she looked very Botoxy, which shouldn't be an issue if you're using de-aging technology. It, it just looked very Photoshoppy, like – uh, so very shiny, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, uh, overall, this movie I thought had uh, some great supporting actors. I, I, I thought Nicole Kidman was fantastic. She's the one who really sold me on Arthur's arc throughout this movie. Um, not really Momoa himself. I think it was her. It, it was a couple things that she said to him once at the beginning when he's a child, and then at the end of the movie that, that really got me into the moment. Um, Willem Dafoe, I thought was fantastic. Um, I have huge problems with black Manta, the actor that plays black Manta and his father. I I thought that they were absolutely horrendous and terrible. (laughs) Just absolutely, just absolute garbage in my opinion. Um, I thought King Orm was fine. Uh, Patrick Wilson, I'm a big fan of his. I thought he was fine. I um, I thought the what, what I am going to say is the action in this. I thought James Wan did a great job with the action. The action was a lot of fun. I know that we have the big battle at the end. We're probably going to talk about that and unpack it. But I think the way that he follows the action in that was not a complete cluster because you were able to follow it. I felt like you were able to follow it. You'd focus on one thing. It would move to another thing and move to another thing. It was not like watching uh, you know, Phantom Menace. So... Overall, I am going to give this one still a taste. I, I had a lot of fun in certain parts of this movie. And in certain parts of this movie, the comedy didn't work for me. In some parts, it did. It, it was really hit and miss. But I didn't have any real like belly laughs like I do with some of the Marvel movies, some of the uh, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, um, you know, uh, Iron Man. I, some real belly laughs in there. These were kind of cute attempts at laughs and can they please stop the thing where a character is fighting another character and they fall into someone's apartment and there's like a little old lady there or an old man or a family watching them fight can movies just stop doing that all together because it's becoming like a, a thing in these comic book movies and to the point where while we when we finally get it in this one i absolutely hated it so i wish that would just go away but overall, I'm going to give this one a taste it. So, Matt, what did you think about Aquaman? Okay, then. Right. Anyone that's listened to me before on any show knows that I am not the biggest fan of what they've done with the DCEU. Um, I tossed Wonder Woman. I thought Man of Steel was shit. Um, didn't like Suicide Squad at all. And at the up until ju- um, Aquaman, Justice League was my best and favorite DC movie. Um, to date with the new DCE and that is really terrible and that's only because it's a B movie it's an absolute trash B movie and I love it for that um, I had really I've, I've had high hopes for every DCE movie when I've gone into them um, I w- had never had a problem with Moa I really enjoyed him I watched all of Stargate uh, Atlantis really enjoyed him on all of that thought that he can he can do dramatic well enough and if he was given the right material in the right direction, I think he will be a good Aquaman. So, there were, I have some big problems with this movie, but mostly I did enjoy it enough. Um, 
it kept me entertained. I didn't want to walk out of the theatre. And, yeah, we'll talk about all the problems and issues that I just suspect that both of you have as well. Um, but it's going to be a taste it. So it's a taste it party if you want. All right, yeah, we got a taste it party. So all three. <laughs> all right. And guys, keep in mind, taste it is a not. It's not a bad rating. We enjoyed it enough. We didn't absolutely hate this movie. It's kind of like right down the middle. And uh, so yeah, let's kind of unpack this one. I really want to start off by unpacking this one by talking about something that I really did enjoy, and I think she kind of uh, part of me really wanted her in the movie more. I understood why she wasn't. But Nicole Kidman really sold me in this movie. I thought Nicole Kidman really, like, honestly, the first, like, 20 minutes of this movie with Nicole Kidman and Tamira Morrison, that love story was fantastic. I I bought it. I thought it was great. I thought that that love story was 10 times better than the love story that we got between Mira and Aquaman themselves. I thought that that love story, it sold me. It sold me on the love that, that, that he had for her and why he was waiting for her at the dock every night. I, I thought that that was sweet and like spoilers. Yeah. Um, yeah, this whole, this whole, we're, yeah, we're jumping in. This is totally spoiler review people, but <laughs> the whole, trust me, the, the episode is going to be labeled Aquaman spoilers. So sh- they should know, but but when he's at the end of the dock waiting for her at the end of the movie, I was like, that's sweet. I like, like, like the two times that I got like the three times that I got emotional in this film were three scenes that were set off by Nicole Kidman's character. And those three scenes are at the beginning, the whole relationship. And then when she had to leave number two, when she's talking to Arthur about how he's going to be, how he can be the king for everyone, and that's what gives him the the courage to 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 go on, take on the Carathon and, and and to try to be the king. And then number three, that scene at the dock, like those are the three emotional points for me in this movie, and they all revolved around Nicole Kidman, and her action sequences were amazing. So I don't know, what did you guys think about Nicole Kidman in this film, Rebecca? Oh, I. I, I not only Tupperware her, but I Tupperware the the beginning of this movie. Um, I thought the I thought the very beginning bit up until she leaves was the strongest part of this movie. Um, I was all in from when they met to very briefly how they fell in love, um, and then you know when they have the scene where. Um, they're lying in bed together and she and she's pregnant and then there he's just kind of like they're just having like a cozy couple moment and then they have the baby like all of that was just so engaging to me I was all in and um, her fight scene too I know we'll talk about it more I, I thought that opening fight scene, I was like, oh, yeah, get it. Like, I was so excited. And he was throwing her, her trident, and, and she was kicking ass. And that was, like, the strongest part of the movie to me. I absolutely top aware that mm-hmm. entire love story. And and again, at the end of the dock, I, at the very end, when she comes back to him, gorgeous, be- beautiful. Mm-hmm. I, I loved it. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Um Back, like I, I want to get Matt's thoughts here in a second, but like you're talking about the fight scene and what I loved about some of the like the fighting, of course, like she's kicking ass. She's doing some amazing chore- fighting choreography here. 
But I love the choice of like the weapons that the Atlanteans used. And I don't know if everybody's a fan of this look, like the 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 Tron look, the glowing look. I just thought it looked really cool when she would kick them and their guns would have like light tracers behind them moving so quickly. I thought mm-hmm. that that was I thought it looked amazing. I thought it looked really fucking cool. Um, it just showed you like her speed and and um, I don't know. I thought that that was an interesting choice. I I kept thinking like they kind of look like uh, like uh, in the video game Halo. If like there was an underwater edition, like those those guards, those soldiers, those uh, Atlantean soldiers that came for. Her. Hey, Matt, what did you think about Nicole Kidman in this film? I thought she was great in this. I really did. I mean, as you said, some of the de-aging was a little bit iffy. She kind of looked like she'd been like absolutely filled with foundation and almost had a yeah, just been like Botox to shit. Yeah. Um, I I wasn't a massive fan of that fight sequence at the beginning. I thought it was really nicely choreographed. I didn't like the camera movement. I felt it was it was very. It almost made me feel a bit sick with the fluidity of it. I would have preferred. I know it was really clever to do it because it was all really almost in one shot, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And I I might have liked a couple of cuts from different angles, but. It, I mean, it was still very impressive. It was kind of reminiscent of um, of the church scene in Kingsman um, with the same oh, sort of fluidity. Yeah. I, I thought it was really right. clever, but it wasn't – it just – it didn't quite work because I think the one in Kingsman works really well because you've got that Leonard Skinner track in the background, haven't you, which keeps keeps the pace going, whereas this was very orchestral and the movement just, just threw me a little bit. But she – and the love story between them was great. I loved it. I really did enjoy that, and I thought it was nicely – a nice momentum at the beginning with the with the the sort of lead up and the the origin of Arthur Curry and how he where he came from and the love that bore him to this earth and, and I thought it was really clever, really good. Yeah, I mean, if the whole movie would have like been that, like I guess if it would have just they would have had him and it would have ended, I would have been giving this a Tupperware. I'd be like, yeah. wow, it was only twenty five minutes, but it was fantastic. I, <laughs> I can't wait for the next part, but you know. I, but I did think though the Atlantean soldiers looked a little bit like they were wearing sort of um, uh, Denomalus's armor from Bill and Ted Bogus Journey. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. looked a little bit foamy. Yeah, I don't know. I appreciated it. It didn't look. <laughs> it looked alien. Which when you when you when you think of the ocean. A lot of those creatures down there look very alien. You know, we oh, haven't yeah. even discovered every species of like sea life down there. So, part of me kind of appreciated the look of it that it, it that it looks so different um, than anything we'd seen. It kind of looked alien. So, I, I actually I liked the design. I thought it was very cool. I'm not knocking the design. It just looked like it was made out of foam board. It just yeah. didn't look yeah. as as high level as you might have thought it would do in that sort of film. Yeah. Um, let's see here. I, uh, I did want to bring up like during the, the whole love scene when they are, when she fights with Tamir at the beginning and throws the trident into the TV, I found out what I was like, it was so weird that like he lives in Amnesty Bay. He, he, he does the, you know, the, what is it, the lighthouse there and he's watching what happened to be on the TV was a TV show called Stingray from 1964. It's an under it was a 1964 underwater adventure series 
that featured an antagonist who rules an underwater kingdom and wishes to wage war on the surface world. I thought that that was a little too meta, but I thought it was a pretty cool choice by James Wan, and I appreciated that. A little bit on the nose. It was either that or it's going to be Snorks, right? (laughs) Why not Sharky and George? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. What, what, what about Jabberjaws? <laughs> um, you know, I can't say enough about this whole thing with uh, Nicole Kidman. I thought she was great. I, did it seem like to you with – okay, let's talk about Volko. Let's talk about Willem Dafoe. I loved his performance. They really leaned into the fact that it was – they even – he even called him Cobra Kai. One of my biggest problems with this is was like with, they really leaned into the whole Karate Kid Miyagi thing with this. Like a little bit. instead of him teaching him the crane kick, he teaches him the flippity do water swirly trident thing. You know the shield, yeah. the water shield. And I was just like, oh, that's going to come back at the end. Like <laughs> that's that's going to be his crane kick, and that's exactly well, you know, I- what happened. Well, just like Karate Kid, if you remember the original movie, Mr. Miyagi doesn't ever really teach Daniel the move. Daniel watches him make it, watches him do the move, and then he kind of does it on his own when he absolutely has to. And and that's the same thing here. Like, Volko shows him the, you know, the cool little move, and then he's like, I want to learn how to do that. And he's like, well, one day when you're older, I'll show you, kid. And then, uh, of course, at the end of the movie, he suddenly knows how to do it. And it's like, oh, he's doing the thing. And it's, yeah, it's absolutely like a karate kid. But this movie drew from a lot of pop culture movies. I mean, Karate Kid, Indiana Jones, Romancing the Stone. uh, Oh, yeah. I mean, James Wan, excuse me, James Wan actually came out and said that the movie was inspired parts of the movie were inspired by Indiana Jones and Romancing the Stone. Yeah, I mean it's very clear that's yeah, absolutely for sure. It's it's very on the nose. I mean there's even stuff here, you know, even when they were underwater, it kind of reminded me of like uh Wakanda, you know, how advanced they were and everything glowed purple with the with the vibranium. Like it it, it is even elements of like Thor Ragnarok in here. There's a lot of you know, it leans into those things, which is not always a bad thing. It's just that you know, it's 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 there, and it's it definitely that whole like Karate Kid vibe with the spinning trident was there. Yeah, I don't know. It, it didn't that didn't like blow me away. I think my one of my biggest problems with this movie, to be quite honest with you, is that nothing really surprised me. Like I, I kind of just felt like there was this like predictable trajectory throughout this whole movie of you know black man is going to be the the villain set up for the next film uh you know we're going to get to see that origin story so he'll be kind of side dressing in this one um and he's got to get the king he's got to get the trident and he's got to get the aquaman suit like i just felt like these are you know boxes there, th- there wasn't anything shocking or or that, that surprised out of me me at all it was just it was so predictable and that's yeah. probably why it's it wasn't as enjoyable as i would have liked right um can that can, it, can, okay now that they've done that because like that's i feel like honestly james wan had his work cut out for him and for like he had a lot of course correction, right? I mean, there was Snyder did a lot of things with the character in the other two movies. Um, Whedon did some stuff with him in Justice League as well. 
there was some course correction. I mean, you had to get this guy on the right track to being Aquaman. So we've got to get this origin story out of the way. Now that they've done this, now that he is the king of Atlantis, any chances for the sequel to actually be better than this? Is, can it only go up from here? That I mean – Part of me was just like, they. I guess you just got to get this movie out of the way. It, we got to do some course correction here. And I think in a way that course correction was a little bit of the detriment of the actual film. Does, mm. does that make sense? It, it, it does make sense what you're saying, because certainly there's a lot of like paint by numbers in this movie and. You know, even even when watching it, I, I we're, we're in spoilers, so it's fine. But like, even when I was watching it, and then when when, when Volko says, "Oh, um, your mother was sacrificed to the trench monsters, and she's dead," I was like, "No, she's not. She's going to come back in the third act." Not like, a I, chance. I, I knew that. I knew that, right? And, and for sure, this movie was absolutely like, okay. Step one, establish that Orm is a badass. Step two, uh, give you Black Manta's origin story. Step three, do this. Step four. And there's a lot of that happening. So I see what you're saying, Brian. Like, I see your point. And I think James Wan tried to do the step-by-step stuff, but then also tried to give us an enjoyable movie, which I think he somewhat succeeded there. Well, I mean, it's totally like superhero abc isn't it 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 really is yeah. you give us your 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 your, your yeah, the origin of your hero here's the origin of it, of his nemesis but you're not really going to see that fight until the next movie and here's the thing he's got to deal with oh look it's a family member that hates him oh half brother that'll do and it just <laughs> keeps building and building until it's like ah and now we finish with the big epic battle scene everyone's okay we're all happy hold hands tra la 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 on we go uh and it yeah, it, it probably is the detriment of the movie that they've done this safe, sensible origin story, trying to give you something enjoyable to get it out of the way to course correct, as you say, so that then we might get something better in the next film. As long as Black Manta has a horrific accident between now and then, so that he's not in the next film. Thank you, thank you. I I want to get the Black Manta here in a second, but. Honestly, I feel like this is the movie we had to get. I, I wish there would have been some more surprises, but we hadn't we, we don't we didn't have in the two previous movies that we had Jason Momoa playing this character. He was not the king of Atlantis. And I don't know. I went back and I watched Justice League today. And what was interesting about that was he was talking to Mira in that film and he was angry about his mother leaving him yet in this film he was mad that the atlanteans had sacrificed her so basically it was kind of weird that he was angry at his mother in that movie for leaving and in this movie it starts off that he's mad at the atlanteans for sacrificing her yeah, although Mira does say that if she, she, there's no mention of her being around, is there? And Mira says to him that if she was here, it would be her responsibility to go after Steppenwolf, as she's not, it's yours. Right, right. Yeah. So it kind of hints to the fact that she isn't around. She might, it doesn't definitely tell you she's dead. No, 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 no. I, I, I that's not even what I was saying. I was, what I was saying, it was just weird that, that in this movie we learned as a child that he found out that she was actually sacrificed. Oh, right, yeah. But in Justice League, he's mad at her for leaving. 
Yeah. So it's like, and this, the events of this movie take pla- take place after Justice League, of course. So it's like they don't take into account what, like the what he said in a previous movie. Like in the previous movie, he should have said then something like. Well, you guys sacrificed my mother, didn't you? Well, like, he, he, I think they, like the comment he should have said or something yeah. to that effect. Yeah. I, yeah I, why should I help you? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if he said anything to that effect. And I guess if he did say, you know, even if he did say, you know, she left me, I, I guess he can he can feel angry that that she did leave. But, you know, Mira does explain to him in Justice League that she left him to protect to protect him. So, and we did see that, that play out in this film. And I, I, and I thought that that was very cool. I love the effect of Jason Momoa and really all of the Atlanteans. And I asked myself this question when I saw it of them kind of going under the water, like when they, when they, when they swim really fast, like they shoot off like a bullet. Oh yeah. 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 That's good. I, it's, that's almost, it's almost like um, Iron Man going supersonic, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I loved it. I thought yeah. it was amazing. Um, I loved the scene where uh, ocean master basically sent like the storm to hit amnesty Bay and send like a, a warning to, to, to them. And, and, uh, uh, you know, the truck gets engulfed in water and Jason Momoa gets knocked out of the truck by that huge tree, la- that huge tree trunk. And then he starts. I love that. Seeing that in 3D today was incredible. Watching him swim in the water. I thought that that was absolutely amazing. I thought that effect was so cool. Then I kept asking myself this question. If they are that fast underwater, why the fuck are they riding sharks and seahorses? I kept, I was like, cool. Yeah, I guess. I, I suppose. I was, cool, Brian. If you could ride a shark, you would too. I suppose. Yeah, I probably would ride a shark. Yeah, it looks cool. I mean, yeah. I shark mean, or a raptor. I guess if I had to get a tattoo or something, it wouldn't be a guy swimming really fast. It would be a shark. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to get like a Michael Phelps tattoo on my wrist. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'll get a I'll get a Jaws tattoo or something like that on my forearm or something, you know. But anyway, I anyway that aside, that's a little minor nitpick. I thought that that was absolutely incredible. I thought that that was so cool. Now, let's talk about Black Manta. Rebecca, I heard you on the Supercast. You liked this portrayal. So here, here's the deal. I think that, and and this is I said that after my first viewing. Um. After my second viewing, I I started to see cracks where I hadn't seen them in the first one. I do want to say, though, that I really like this actor. Um, Kirby, you and I watched him in in The Get Down. I I love this actor. I I think he was brilliant in The Get Down. He was fucking hilarious in Baywatch. He was brilliant in The Greatest Showman. I really like him, and I had such high hopes for him as Black Manta. And unfortunately, I think he was let down by the worst origin story for a villain I have ever seen in my life. It was terrible. So, oh, my God. It was Here's, dog shit. Mm, he, okay. I, I'm not going to argue with you that the origin story is very thin. I'm not going to argue that with you guys. I think that he did the best he could with what he was given. No. I liked the stuff <laughs> when he was with his <laughs> well, hold on. Let me just set my opinion. Um. Okay, the part where he's in the sub and the dad gets trapped 
Uh, the dad gets shot. Then he gets trapped by the what was that? I guess like a warhead or whatever, um, or some kind of tank. Damn and, you! And he, <laughs> Damn you! That part was so terrible. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Rebecca. <laughs> anyway, Rebecca, Rebecca, you are saying "Damn you, Brian." Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> no, it's all right. Um, I think he did the best that he could with the script that he was given. I thought he gave me he convinced me that he was a son out for vengeance for his father. I'm not saying he didn't chew the scenery in parts. He absolutely did. But I don't think his performance was dog shit. Mm. I I think it was a decent performance. I I don't think it was terrible. Dude had one face in this movie, and it was angry. That's it. Dude had one face in this whole fucking movie. And the trouble is, the thing is with that actor, and I agree with you, Rebecca, his performance wasn't bad. What The material he was using was awful. That's the thing I think was dog shit. It was just absolute trash. Yeah, I don't blame that, him at all. I, I like that actor. Yeah. And the thing is, I think he's a brilliant comic actor. So you have to give him a little bit of comic origin to make him work. He is not a serious actor at all. As Cadillac in the Get Down, he is hilarious because he's so daft. Right. Um, same in Baywatch. He's as the exactly. uh, as the police character. officer on a beat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's a so to try and give him a, 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 a solely revenge story that's happened in the space of a couple of hours, and then all of a sudden to turn him, turn him into Tony Stark and he makes a super suit. I didn't believe any of it. I was like, "What? Why? Why do I care about this guy?" There's no reason for me to have sympathy with him. He's a pirate. He killed He killed however many people at the beginning of that movie, and now you're expecting me to almost not to have sympathy, but to understand why he's out for vengeance. Oh, but he gave us that hilarious Jaws joke. I think we're going to need a bigger... I think, we'll, I think we're going to need a bigger helmet. I was like, oh. are you kidding me? Oh. That nobody no. in my theater said anything. No one laughed. No. There was zero reaction. It was a terrible joke. But actually, can I ask you, so your first viewing, yeah. what was the audience like? Uh, it was the uh, Amazon Prime. Not everybody knew about it. I'd say a little bit more than half of the theater was full. So, and, so what were the age group and the, and oh the demographic? Oh, gosh. Uh, I'm not, I'd say most people around my age, to be quite honest with you. And it was, you know, fathers and and a lot of father and son combos and some families there. And then, and then just a bunch of single guys like me. So my theater was the majority was middle-aged women. Wow. Cause Momoa. Oh my God. Cause Momoa all watching Momoa boob. Um, and I was like, <laughs> Am I in the and I went on my own. I was sat on my own and there were, you know, it looked like wives that had bought their husbands to watch the movie, not the other way around. It was really bizarre. I was oh, like, yeah. okay, this is not a good sign to start with. Um, but yeah, it was bizarre. But no, Black Manta, just, oh, just rubbish. And I, I, yeah. I, say, I blame the origin, I blame the material he had. I don't blame the actor at all. Um, yeah, and if I you can't guys, if, Brian, if you, if you haven't seen him in anything else or didn't like him in anything yeah. else, I completely understand why you think he was shit. But I, I, I'm, I'm of the opinion of Rebecca that the material he was working with was just awful. Yeah, I'll take your word for it that this guy is a is a is a good actor when he's in, when he's in a good project with a good script. But there was there was nothing in here that like 
ever I, I was ever excited to see this character pop back up again because like it, he had one face and it was angry, and that mm-hmm. was it. There was nothing else to this character. It was just so boring and bland. And I'm not he saying he was so one dimensional, wasn't he? Very yeah. one dimensional. And I, I I think like look at okay look at and I'm not comparing him to uh, in in Black Panther. I'm not comparing him to Killmonger. Let me compare him to Claw. Claw was the secondary villain in that movie. And his scenes were absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Circus was great as a secondary villain in that movie. And mm-hmm. I think that's what you need in, needed to do here was to give him, if you're only going to have him in the movie for two to three scenes or whatever, however many scenes it was, you make him memorable and you give this guy stuff that he can work with. It's just like from the get go, like this whole origin story was terrible his fa- the interaction with his father was terrible. The and and the, the scene so where his beam, mate. Beam rate wasn't it bad. was when his well it starts off stupid with Jason Momoa can I come aboard you know, <laughs> permission, permission to come permission aboard, aboard. Oh, God. yeah you know and, and then and, <laughs> oh, God I, I saw that in the, when, I mean we do that in the trailers but when I saw I'm it on the big, you didn't leave at that point Rebecca I wanted to my friend was like no stay no I I, I actually covered my eyes and groaned that was your mustache moment. There you go. I was like, oh, this is so <laughs> terrible. Like, but when the when, when he gets ready to set off that explosive in there, and he Black Manta looks at him and goes, "Damn you!" I was just like, <laughs> "Oh my god, this is so fucking corny." Please, this is not really happening, is it? So I think in the uh, in the comic books, it was it was Arthur's father that. I and correct. I don't know. I could be wrong here, but I believe it was Arthur Arthur's father that killed his father, and so that's where that kind of like hatred came from. Yeah, give it a bit of gravitas. Give it a bit more time to ferment. You know, you, you're doing an origin story from Arthur's birth. Surely you can put something in that gives you a link to Black Manta and a connection in their past yeah. quite easily. Yeah, like he, he talks about the grandfather being in World War II yes. and, and, you know, he was such – he was so stealthy they named him Manta and um, what, like a cool line would have been like, uh, you know, if it turns out that like Momoa's grandfather served in World War II and, you know, something like that where he somehow discredited the – Mance's grandfather and that's how come he you know he had to turn to pirating like that would have been I, I agree that would have been a much that better, makes much more interesting and it makes sense that, it makes well, way more sense it makes it makes way more sense in what we saw in this because at the beginning like even before he like abandoned his father Black Manda says I've been waiting for this you know right before they fight and so I was thinking, yeah. I was thinking, yeah, like, what, what's the connection here? Like, OK, maybe he got like the Atlantean blade, may, you know, like maybe that blade came from like one of these past connections where there was a death that involved like, you know, Momoa's, you know, uh, Aquaman's family or something like that. That that would have been very cool. And, you know, we and, it, you know, they, there was some cool stuff in this scene. I, I love the fact like. Aquaman, when 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 he tries to when uh, uh, Black Manta tries to uh, hit him with the blade, the steel blade, it won't pierce his mm-hmm. skin. He can't be cut by man-made steel. But you know, we find out that Atlantean steel will cut him and hurt him. 
And so, right. you know, I thought like they did some cool setup there with kind of a, a establishing those rules and stuff like that. I just felt like, yeah, um, this whole Black Manta origin story was kind of thrown together real quickly. And there really wasn't a lot of like emotional. I, I wasn't connected emotionally. And, and, and the suit making scene. Oh, gosh. I mean, yeah. When did how did that? He was a pirate. When did he become a super genius? During the montage, Kirby. Oh, sorry, it I happened. forgot. Uh, see, what what threw me was the the, the non existence of the eighties inspirational rock music, and I would have, see that would have laid the foundation of a decent montage, but it wasn't there, so I kind of missed it. It's just stupid. Yeah, it was bad. They were, and like that. What was it? the whole thing was just to kind of show us how he uh, used their technology to make the suit, and and then uh, of course the first helmet was the Golden Age Black Manta helmet, and that was a little Easter egg and something fun for like the fans of the comics and stuff. But other than that, that that didn't work for me as well. It, all the black mana stuff did not work for me at all. I, except for the suit itself, the suit itself looked fantastic. It looked amazing. That's the way black Manta should look on the screen. It, they got that right. But every scene that black Manta was in was just terrible in my opinion. So agreed. And you know, if you guys are telling me that this actor is great and it's what they gave him. I, I believe you. It's just, it's unfortunate. I'll never go as far as saying he's great, but he's enjoyable. Well, it's... He's it, incredibly enjoyable on screen when he's working with good material, and the material that suits him is a little bit more quirky, comedy, comedic. Um, he is not a serious, serious actor at all. What do they need to do? What do they need to do for the next movie? Because we know we're going to get another, we're going to get Aquaman 2. We're going to get Aquaman 2 before we get a Man of Steel 2, people. I mean, that's... I mean, this movie is oh, blown... Yeah. This movie's blown up internationally. Um, but it's like they, they, I think like, and, and they really set this one up for black man to come back. I, they've really got to do something with this, with, with this. I mean, they really got to beef up that script for this character in the next one. Yeah. Give him something I, better. They have to give him something more to chew on and they have to then make him the main villain and they have to put the time into giving him a script that plays to his strengths as an actor because they had, you know, they had the two main villains here. You had King Orm and you have Black Manta. And, you know, of course, we find out that they are working together, but it's really the story of Arthur and his half brother. Like, that's the real story here. Arthur and his family and Black Manta is like a secondary thing here. And I, if they if they make Black Manta the main villain of the second movie, they have to give him a way better script. And again, they have to give him stuff that plays to his talents as an actor. Yeah, and, but let me let me throw this out there. I mean, watching the original Superman movie, the first few minutes of that film set up the second film so much better than this did, and this gave this gave so much time to. Black Manta throughout the film. I mean, he is interspersed throughout this film four or five times in this film. And in Superman, the motion picture, the first one, the first few minutes of this are basically like the Krypton Council, you know, shipping off Zod and uh, Nan and, and, and sending them into the Phantom Zone. 
You know what I mean? And like, yep. and here, and, and they, that was like basically like a five, six minute sequence. And here we, here they give so much more time to black Manta. And I, I feel like it was really wasted. I, I think that the stuff with Orm was great. I loved everything. You've got, you've got Orm. He's trying to get four of the kingdoms. If he gets four of the kingdoms to back him, he becomes Ocean Master, and then they take the Battle of the Surface World. Awesome concept. Fucking awesome concept. And he was a good villain. He was doing some really treacherous shit here. The Fisherman King? Fuck you. Here's a trident to your gut. You know? It's like, awesome. <laughs> I thought that was cool. Like, yeah, you guys are poets and you're intellectuals. Fuck that. No, I'm taking your army. And that was brutal and treacherous, and I loved that scene. I thought it was great. thought Patrick Wilson was fantastic. And I loved the whole thing. He's a half-brother. He hates – he hates – you know, he hates Arthur because Arthur's the reason that his mother was executed. I thought all that was done really well. It's just like, yeah, they. I really think like they honestly could have – if they would have just given us those first five – that pirate scene at the beginning, if they would have done it a little bit differently – they could have done it. They could have given us five minutes of that, and then we could have had a full Black Manta in the second movie. I don't even know yeah, if we really need. If they'd done that opening scene slightly better, and it wasn't quite as ham-fisted, and then you had the end credit scene of him and the, um, you know, the the scientist guy, whatever his name was, I can't remember now. Yes, um, setting Dr. up Shin. the second film. Yeah, it, it it leads with intrigue, doesn't it? You don't know exactly what's going on, right? But right. to give you all that. All that, let's say, there's four to five scenes of just utter trash um, throughout the movie, I think has just almost ruined the character. And I don't think I'll be able to take him seriously unless I do something dramatic to change him in the next one. That's one of my biggest, excuse me, guys. That's one of my biggest problems coming out of this movie is that I wasn't excited for the sequel because this movie, the way it teases the sequel is teasing the character that I did not like the most in the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I hear what you're saying. I hear you. I hear you. I mean, what I mean, what are they going to do with that character in the next movie, really? I mean... I, I, I don't know. Yeah, because they've already used... They've kind of blown their wad with having him in, in the costume in this movie, and then his armor got destroyed. So, like, he builds another one? and Or... Or it's I don't know where they're going to go with the character, obviously, but man, it it is disappointing because it it could have the script for Black Manta stuff was just it was just weak. It it wasn't great. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, I did overall like Patrick Wilson as King Orm. I thought he was. I thought he was fine. I, I, not, you know, not fantastic. I'm not talking like Heath Ledger Joker here, people. But I thought, he, <laughs> I thought he was fine. I thought he was fine. I, I you know, he, uh, I believed in. I believed that he wanted to take. I, I knew what his mission was. You know, to to take over the surface world. They, they, they're, they're polluting the oceans and everything. They showed us that whole visual of them attacking the oceans and things like that. And I was just like, okay, yeah, here we go. This is our movie. He's trying to unite at least four of these kingdoms to become the ocean master. I get it. Yeah, it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have to say in, in the first time I saw this movie, um, I don't know. I, 
on second viewing, I liked I liked Patrick Wilson a little bit more. On my first viewing, um, I found him very hammy. Like, um, like this dude was this dude was chewing the scenery. Like he was he was he was spreading a one sauce on I, the, on the scenery and eating it. Like he was. <laughs> He was, rah, 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 rah. He was I, just chewing that scenery. And, I think you're confusing. I think you're confusing uh, Yahya Abdul Mateen with uh, Patrick Wilson because your viewings are all messed up. Like, I, yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. I, I I don't think Patrick Wilson was like shit in this movie. I enjoyed him as as the character. I just say that I'm just saying that like in the scene where he t- says, "Call me Ocean Master," it's so like. He squints his eyes, and the and the and, and he goes, "Call me squinty eyes, ocean master." My entire audience laughed out loud. They thought it was hilarious, as did I. Like it was just a little over the top. On second viewing, though, like I, I was able to appreciate a lot of the nuances in there. But I'm just saying, like that was my initial reaction. Yeah, I I found him a little bit wooden, to be honest. <laughs> uh, but I, I know that's Patrick Wilson's acting style, so that's kind of I understand that he's very similar in in Watchmen. But I did find him a bit wooden. The thing that threw me about most of his scenes is because they were all underwater, and I don't know how you guys felt about this, but the the close up effect of of people's faces underwater almost just looked like they smeared Vaseline on the lens, and it was really almost difficult to to focus, and it kind of threw me out of those scenes a little bit. And I was like, I'm oh, just not quite. It doesn't look as crisp as I thought it should. And I understand they're underwater and I don't... Obviously, you've got to do some sort of effect to portray that. But I figured the hair moving was enough. But they, they kind of almost blurred their faces a bit. Did you guys find that at all or was it just me? I had more of a problem with it, honestly, in the Justice League where you could actually see ripples and waves. And, yeah. And, and it yeah. felt like there was more kind of like debris flying through you know, the water at that time. And I understand they were getting attacked by steppenwolf so yeah there's going to be shit being <laughs> stirred up on the ocean floor I, I i totally understand that but i i i didn't have a problem with it in this movie okay. did you guys see the annabelle doll in this one that was one of the easter eggs did you guys see no, that I've, I've seen clips of it since then no i i didn't i didn't catch it which scene is it is it in a scene where he meets with volko no, it's um, as far as I know. It's when him and Mira are on the way out. Yes, to to meet with Volko in that secret ship. In that secret ship, was and it going? And it's going under the tunnels, and it's just under a rock um, oh. on the right hand side of the screen. I didn't see it then because I was looking for it because James Wan did the Annabelle movie. Yes, and I was looking, you know, like that whole Conjuring universe, and I was looking for it, and I've seen the movie twice now, and I still haven't seen it. I guess I just have to look it up in the clips but yeah it's cool that's kind of cool yeah so i yeah i what did you guys think about amber heard as mira in this one she had the reddest hair of anyone ever yeah that hair was sure was red that was red hair there we go on to the next one yeah red hair (laughs) no we're not gonna stop at red hair Oh wait, we had to talk about one. I didn't like her in this. I thought she was so dull. I, I thought she was so. I mean, she had moments. I'm not going to say like you know, like every time she was on the screen, I was like yawn. No, but she had moments where I was like, oh wow, that's cool. But overall, I found her to be just blah. I I, know, I, I yeah, couldn't get into her character. Yeah. 
Oh, don't even get me started on that. No, we'll talk about that later. I hated the whole love story between her and Aquaman. That's Ugh, that's the terrible. comic books, though. Mira and Aquaman. Yeah, Come on. I know. I know. Jesus I, Christ. I think. No, Rebecca I think. Rebecca hates comics. She does. Oh, stop. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I didn't like the way it was presented to me in the movie is what I'm saying. I, I don't I don't doubt that Mira and Aquaman in the comics are a couple. I'm just saying that, like, do I believe that Amber Heard's Mira was attracted to, to Aquaman? Not in this movie. I just didn't feel it. Uh, two beautiful people looking at each other and not wanting to fuck each other, and you don't, you don't. <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't understand that at all. Strips away all the nuances back to the basics, eh, Brian? Well, I mean, I, that's true. I mean, the, the, there is. Oh yeah, yeah no, I get it. It's uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, you know, I, 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 it worked for me. I mean, I felt like she. I, I felt like there was. They. I felt like they had. Uh, decent enough chemistry it wasn't great i i felt like it was forced in certain moments um i felt like you know like when the scene when they're in uh um uh was it italy that they were in the yeah, last italy. yeah they when they were in italy yeah because they went to the sahara desert then to italy on their national treasure quest yes <laughs> When they're in, I was waiting for them to steal the Declaration of Independence. I was waiting for Nick Cage to turn up. <laughs> when she was, the whole scene of her like eating the flowers, I was like, they are just trying to replicate the Diana oh, eating the ice cream thing, but just do it in a sillier fashion. And then the girl of all the books, a girl, a random girl, just happens to hand her a Pinocchio book. Out of nowhere, which made no sense to me. I know earlier they had spent some time in the belly of a whale together, and they, he made talk to her about the whole Pinocchio thing. And then I don't did did I miss something? Did I no, miss they, something in that they scene? They just had or, a bad joke and they ran with it like exactly. they wouldn't believe. Exactly. Oh, this would be really funny. Let's make references to this joke we did ten minutes ago again well, and again. But also, I I didn't. Then when he, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just want to say I didn't. I want to make sure that I didn't miss anything. That that literally that that girl out of nowhere just ran over to one of these, you know, uh, street sellers, these street on the street market, just randomly picked up a Pinocchio book and then ran it back to her. Yeah, there was no reason for it yeah, at all. That, she had no idea. She had no re- reason to do it because of the prior joke that Momoa had made. Okay. She just did it because that's apparently what they do in that small Italian village when you're eating roses. They'll give you a book on Pinocchio. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Maybe it's some kind of secret society greeting thing. You know, if you eat roses at this certain time of day and get given a Pinocchio book, Pinocchio book by a small girl, you can then find the treasure of Atlantis. Oh, wow. I got to go to Italy. Yeah. Um, also, too, like, just talking about, like, Jason Momoa as Aquaman, right? So she gets this book conveniently given to her by this random child. She looks at the book and she goes, oh, this is where he got the idea to hide us in the whale from Pinocchio. She says to him, you risked our lives on something from a children's book? And he's like, it was a book? (laughs) Um, I'm 
sorry. Are you fucking stupid? And then, and then they go up to the, to the circle of statues and he knows all of those guys. Oh, well, this is uh blah, blah, blah. And that's blah, blah, blah. You know that, but you don't know Pinocchio was a book. Are you fucking it? What is wrong with you? <laughs> I cannot with this character. I cannot with Jason Momoa. I just, I that's don't. That's not Momoa's I, fault. I just don't get it. Like again, it's bad writing. Writing, it's so fucking stupid. Oh, I thought. I thought Momoa. I thought Momoa. Like that's the writing. I thought Momoa like delivered the line. It's it's really the writing how they write his character. No, I I just want to say that I felt like Momoa delivered the line in a in a humorous way. You know what I mean? And my audience laughed in that moment. For me, Momoa was actually probably one of the best parts of this movie. I thought he delivered the dramatic stuff really well, and I thought he delivered the comedy really well. And as you said in your little um, non spoiler review last episode, Brian. He looked like he was having fun. Yes, like, and that 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 makes a massive difference to any movie when it looks yeah. like the cast are enjoying the shoot. Yeah, it makes you relax. It makes you feel that the movie is is worth watching. It's enjoyable to watch because you can see how much fun they're having. Yeah. And I think that's what he did. And I think yeah, that it is it is terrible writing that part that he didn't know that Pinocchio was a book, but he knew who all the ancient kings were. Oh it's God. But again, it's bad writing. It's terrible writing. Yeah, I, um, I, and I, yeah. I, uh, I, yeah, I, I, I had a lot of fun with him in certain parts of this movie. Like I, I really, and I know it was such a a stupid thing. But like when the guys called him Fish Boy, and then they started like taking Instagram photos and selfies of one another, I was like, <laughs> the, the, the okay. At first, I was like, "This is not funny." But then, all of a sudden, they started showing like, like pictures of him like slamming beers and smiling and spitting out beer. And I was like, "Okay, this is oh, the, in the bar with his dad." That was yes, brilliant. I was like, yeah. "That's funny." And I, I was like, that kind of endeared me to like his uh, his Aquaman a little bit. Yeah, like, that, that was playing up to to, to, to him being Jason Momoa because that's the sort of stuff he does, isn't it? On, yeah. his, on his Instagram and on his social networking feeds, is he does that sort of shit with fans? Do, do, and I thought that was brilliant. Do we really? I think I felt like this movie was also missing two things here. I thought the you know uh, that uh, uh, Tamora Morris was played a he was so good as his father. I would have liked to seen more scenes with him. Maybe just a scene of like a. And I'm not saying you have to pull it straight out of the pages or the movies from Superman, but maybe just like more of a kind of like a father son kind of like sit down and I've got some wisdom for you here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and give him some wisdom. And then also when when Arthur is finally reunited with his mother after 28 years or so, I wanted to see him just like grab her and hug her and not let go. Like, mm-hmm. th- did that really happen? And why did um, she? And no, hold on, no. did that happen? No. Yes or no? No, no, it didn't happen that way. No. Okay, and why did she look like Legolas fucked a crab? <laughs> what did you expect? She'd been on that island living there for twenty-eight years. They haven't got like a. Fucking whatever it is, I don't know. I'm going to say Debenhams, but you've got no Debenhams over there, so I don't know a clothes store out there. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm struggling. Sorry. No. Gap. Yeah, yeah, I haven't got a gap out there. You can't yeah, the gap, on. right? Yeah. 
Jesus, Gap Universal, you can yeah. see it's everywhere. There's a there's a gap in your American clothing store outlets. <laughs> I I have a question. It's a serious question. I'm not being silly here. So there is a moment where Mira explains that only the highborn creatures uh, can breathe water and air. That there are certain creatures, and they say this in the beginning when Orm is like explaining stuff to the other king that he doesn't need to know, but we need to know as the audience Mm -hmm. that some species uh, advanced and became like the fishmen and the Atlanteans. And then some regressed and became like the brine and the trench people and the trench creatures, whatever are the, so the, the, the scene where the trench creatures are above land are above water and they're attacking the boat. Should they have been able to breathe the air? Because I didn't think they were highborn. Like, oh shouldn't they gosh. have come you... up like like a fish out of water? Like, come up and like flopped around on the deck, like, oh, and then just died. Now we're getting this straight. Things yeah. when we're five that, minutes ago, we were talking about a book, even not knowing it was a book. Come on, for this movie. But like that hit me today. I was like, hey, wait a minute. Shouldn't they have died that, when they came above? It's nah. a big, it's a big plot point, though. Like to get them to dive, like to know that they're at, at the trench. Uh, they the, were all wearing reverse scuba suits. It's fine. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Gotcha. That did that didn't bother me at all. I was like, uh, it didn't bother me. I was just it's something I thought of. Like as a, it's just something I thought of. Today I think when I saw the, it the I, honestly, I think the movie kind of answers the question. Then they they can. They can then, so I guess they are highborn, and they're not as regressive as they said they were in the beginning. <laughs> they are. They're they're very highborn. I don't know. I don't know if they could. I'm not. I'm not sure if one of these things can come out of the water and like successfully live on land. You know what I mean? And uh, they they might be able to spend certain amount of time out of the water. They they probably need to go back to the water. But uh, I don't know if I want to dedicate too much time talking about that. That's fine. I was curious <laughs> if I. That's fine. It was just a little thing I thought of. That's all. We can move on. <laughs> no, it's. Um, I did that scene. Was so visually stunning mm-hmm, when they went sure. down into the water when he was holding the flare, and it was that red flare, and you saw all of them swarming around them as they're going down. And you yeah, had kind of, kind of that cutaway scene as well, wasn't it? You had the, you had the, 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 the bisect of the ocean. Yes. So that you could see below as well. That was, it was absolutely gorgeous. God, that was so awesome. I, I the thought, use of shadow on that was just stunning. Yeah. So good. It was so good. I thought that that was amazing. I, yeah, I, that was one of those things when, so now he goes to at the at the end when he when he's gonna get the the trident the trident when he got control of that after meeting with the Karathan and all that and and when he touched that thing, he already had the ability before that to communicate with sea life, but not at this level he can communicate with them but he couldn't control them exactly the trident gave him control and when the trident was sweeping through um and and kind of like reach when we saw that power like reach out to all the different animals it showed it showed sea turtles it showed crabs it showed 
It even showed the trench. He had control of the trench. Yeah, that was that was actually something they said, and I think someone said it to yeah. Dolph Lundgren's character, didn't they? Yeah, they said. I think it and was. He, said he, he controls the trench, and he said that's impossible. Yeah, I think it was one of the fisherman's da- the fisherman king's daughter. That was he, it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think? Here's a question for you. Do you think that the stingray that killed Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter? <laughs> Oh no! Is a celebrity down there? As soon as you said stingray, I knew where you were going. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I think he's there. I think he's the king of stingrays. I think they had they put a crown on his head and they said, "You're a fucking king, dude. You're a legend." I think that's that's what he is. I guarantee you that stingray is like he's getting. He a, gets a lot of ass. Getting a ton of stingray tail. Oh yeah. <laughs> he doesn't want stingray tail. That will kill him. No, I Man. think they're immune, right? Isn't that how it works? I, I would have. Uh, I, yes, they are, Kirby. Take my word for it. Okay. Oh, yeah. You're a marine, marine biologist. Yeah, marine yeah. biologist Rebecca says yes. Oh, literally 10 minutes ago, you were asking if, if the trench can survive <laughs> out. No, in, yeah. <laughs> two stingrays having sex would just look like two pancakes bouncing up on top of one another. <laughs> Yeah, flapjacks. Now I'm hungry for pancakes. You know, um, let's take a quick break and come back, and we will talk. Huh? Pancakes? You get some pancakes? I yeah, I am gonna fire up some pancakes right now in the old griddle. Oh my gosh, that's like I love going to hotels when they have like the batter there, and you can make like the pancakes and the waffles yourself. I just love it. They have it all made, and you can make the biggest mess ever because it's not your kitchen. What's this? Mm-hmm. I know, know, know nothing of this. Oh my gosh! You've never been to a hotel that has like the the waffle maker waffle station. Yeah, I've only ever been to hotels in the UK, and they've barely got a tea making station. Wow, we've, and, a trou- and a trouser press. That's we've, it. We've got something called the old continental breakfast here in the United States. It's because we're all we're all. I don't know. It's like everything's got to be inclusive. We like having things just included. Like the if if the room's got HBO, if the room's got like free food, we are there. You know what I mean? So yeah, they've got the waffle iron set out with like the yeah. with the cooking spray, and you just spray that to all hell, and then you just pour in your batter, and you make yourself the waffle, and it's so good. I always put. I always put Nutella on my waffles. Did did uh did when they got dressed in the Sahara? Did they both look like they just stepped out of a Ralph Lauren ad? Yep, <laughs> a little bit. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, hey, let's take a quick boy, break. Red hair. Oh, God. I loved her red hair. She looked like uh, the Little Mermaid. Oh, it was really it was gorgeous, but it was the reddest hair I've ever seen. I think I liked her a little bit more than you guys. I don't think she was I, as I terrible. Think you did. I think you liked her more than we did. Oh God. And you're the you black man it was terrible, Rebecca. I'm well, sorry. That's your opinion, isn't it? So there you go. <laughs> yeah, well, I agree with that one. He was terrible. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and break this down a little bit more. Aquaman, swift and powerful monarch of the oceans.
right, hey, we are back. Um, I wanted to talk about a couple of the big action sequences here real quick. The first one uh, that I wanted to talk about was the battle between Orm and the first battle here between Orm and Aquaman, uh, the whole uh, ring of fire. Um, I thought it was pretty visually stunning, and I, I found the action to be pretty fun for the most part. Uh, I... <laughs> The costumes, I don't know. There's some stuff in here that was a little <laughs> ridiculous. I, the, the, uh, Mira's costume was that jellyfish costume she's wearing. Oh, jellyfish. God. What a piece of shit that costume was. <laughs> it oh, was, God. It was weird. And then I I don't know how, if I think it was fun or just strange. The, the octopus that was playing the drum solo, the... I found out that it was uh, Topo, Aquaman's yeah. octopus sidekick from the 1950s and 60s. And James Wan uh, was unsure about putting Topo in the film. But after watching Mad Max Fury Road, he said, if that film could have a guy playing a flaming guitar, <laughs> I'm going to have to have an octopus drummer in mind. I don't know. I if- thought it was Cute. I, I I laughed. I thought it was. I thought it was cute. I don't know. It, it was all right. I I kind of just want to see James Wan do a Flintstones movie now. Like yeah, me too. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but I it was fine. It, it was such a quick thing that I didn't really mind it. So yeah, it, it 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 was fine. But this whole action scene, I I had a lot of fun with. I kind of them just it was an action sequence that was under the water and typically we'd see like you know superman flying through the air and fighting zod and punching and all this stuff but this was all swimming and underwater and i thought for the most part that uh arthur was kind of holding his own here up until the trident got snapped in half mm-hmm. yeah he was i mean he was i thought he was definitely giving him a run for his money at least and um, but for sure, like, I, I thought it was, um, I thought I, for sure he was fighting out of his element because he's not used to, like, fighting hand-to-hand combat under the water, which is why, like, the final battle that they have, you know, makes a lot of sense of, like, well, you know, I fought in your element now, like, you fight in mine. But, yeah, I, I enjoyed that whole fight sequence between Arthur and King Orm. I thought it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I thought the the mix of just having, like, the crowd there. You know, of course, we're, we're all, everybody watching that is going to think of, like, the arena battle between Hulk and Thor in Ragnarok. But I thought there was enough here to make it different. These are two brothers that never got to, you know, meet each other. And here they are meeting each other. And, you know, even Aquaman himself said, like, you know, I, I dreamt about meeting you, but I didn't know you were going to be such a dick. And I was just like... <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't even think about the, the connection to the Ragnarok battle at all. The only thing that... I mean, you're right. It was visually stunning. It was it was very well choreographed. Um, towards the end, it started to feel like I was watching a, a, a load of cutscenes from a Mortal Kombat fight when they're going from scene to scene, like from from backdrop to backdrop. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was kind of it, it, again. It just got a bit sort of um, jarring towards the end, but it was incredibly stunning. I um, love visually. That was just flawless. The lava. I love the. Yeah. Yeah, just the use of the lava and uh, and that being an element of the battle, the ring of fire. I thought it was pretty cool. I I, I liked it. I, the uh, Rebecca, I know you wanted to talk about the soundtrack. They did some interesting things with the, with the score, the soundtrack in this one. 
I was not a fan of a lot of the music choices in this movie. Um, I promised Matt I wouldn't talk about that terrible song that uh, <laughs> that everybody's talking about, the one with Pitbull. Hanging up now. Oh, don't hang up. I'm not even going to say the name of it. But, yeah, it's uh, – it, it's. I mean, it is what it is. I, I think it's stupid to give it to Pitbull. I'm just not a fan of his. But um, I thought, like the like, the – like the background music, though, for like a lot of the stuff was just oh terrible. Like when they were running on the rooftops in Italy, it sounded like video game music. And I was like, is she going to have to run over gold coins now and pick them up and get points? Like it was terrible. And then every time like Black Manta or King Orm was on screen, there was this really ominous like boom, boom, boom music. And it was just like, oh, I have to say like by the end, I just I found it so distracting. I was not a fan of the music choices in this movie and the song that's playing when they're in Italy and she's eating the stupid goddamn roses, it's like this cheesy love song. And I'm just like, what is this? It's just, I not a fan of the music to, in this movie at all. To me, it seemed that there was no clear direction for the score. No, at not all. at all. Like, not like at some all. minute you get this, this incredibly dramatic orchestral swell. And then all of a sudden it would go to John Carpenter's synth music. Like it really sounded like Escape from LA music or something they, like that, and then it well, would go back to a pop song. J- and uh, then it would... James Wan said that uh, some of the music was inspired by Blade Runner, and that there was like, then, yeah, the same, same synth, isn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't mind the synthy music when they were first entering Atlantis, and like even during the escape with the hydro cannons when they were trying to avoid those, and um, I thought that that whole chase scene between Orm and. Uh, you know, Mira with the hydro cannons. I thought that that was pretty visually, I thought it was done really well. I, I, I really enjoyed it. So, and I, I, the music choice there was fine, I suppose. It, but it, ju- it just feels like there was no theme. It, yes. There were individual pieces of music that I really enjoyed, mm-hmm. but together it didn't gel. It didn't Not, feel like yeah. it was written by one person. Like It didn't yeah. feel like a, a John Williams score that he'd written from start to finish. Right. It felt really like, oh, we'll take this bit of music from this guy and this bit and then Pitbull's piece of shit and then this and then this and jam it all together and let's see, let's see what happens. I think that um, the DC movies uh, have had a hard time since Man of Steel. I think that Hans Zimmer score in the Man of Steel, it worked for me. may not have worked mm-hmm. for everyone, but it did work for me. But I feel like every movie since then – They've had a really hard time with like the score and some of the selections. So, you, you you make a really good point, Brian. I do agree with you on that. I, like you, I really loved Man of Steel. I enjoyed that movie a whole lot, and and the the score to that movie is very cohesive. It makes a lot of sense, like all together. And and Kirby, what you're saying for this movie, I I agree. There's no clear direction. It's like the synthy music when they were being chased. I actually did like that. That was probably the only bit of music I really, really loved in this. And that was the part that I felt like almost felt like Thor Ragnarok. Um, But then everything else just didn't make any sense to me. And then it was just odd choices for the music and Ugh, I I hope they get somebody better for the next one. So, well, yeah, but uh, do you know who the composer was? No, who, who was right, it? Rupert Gregson Williams. He is also known for Wonder Woman and The Crown. See, now, okay, that doesn't make any sense to me no. whatsoever because The Crown 
you, Matt, you and I reviewed that on the Lola episode. Yep. We loved the crown, everything about it. I would include the music. I loved the Wonder Woman soundtrack. I thought it made sense. It was cohesive. And then what happened here? He yep. started taking crystal meth. Like, and the weird thing is, he was born it. in the town where I saw this movie. I just don't really? think. That, I think yeah, that, he's born in Chichester. He's oh. he's probably better at like you know I don't watch The Crown, but he's probably better at uh, things. I mean, uh, trying to do a score for a movie about Atlantis and about a you know underwater sea god is a little different than doing a movie where about royalty and, and then also like a World War One figure where you know I've, I've found the reason. He also did Paul Blart, Mall Cop 2, <laughs> okay, um, that, that Jack and it. Jill, oh, God. <laughs> and Grown Ups 2. Well, things have been tough. You know what? I'm yeah. going to cut him some slack. Things have been tough. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'm sorry, bro. You take sorry. what you can get. Sorry, I'm Sorry, Rupert. bro. I, uh, <laughs> let's talk about this final action sequence. And it all kind of starts with, uh, you know, Arthur meeting the Karathan and, uh, I'll be honest with you, like, uh, you know, a- after he gets the trident and he's found worthy to carry it and, uh, you know, he joins the final battle. I when we finally get to see the Karathan like uh, full on screen, I thought the special effects for the Karathan looked really damn impressive. Yeah, stunning. Mm-hmm. For sure, God, yeah, really it looked good. great. Absolutely, the great. whole the whole special effects on that whole battle, the final battle scene were just unbelievably amazing. They were, they really were, and I liked how James Wan followed the action throughout that entire final battle. It was kind of like watching like a Lord of the Rings take place under the ocean, like that, you know, like the uh, battle at Minas Tirith, and, and and you know, just watching that kind of stuff play out. You would follow one action sequence where they would have a character fighting another character they'd roll into another thing and then and then like a uh you know like one of those uh underwater sharks would grab it with its mouth and carry that character off to another part of the battle and then and then and then something else would happen and we'd follow that action and it i, I thought it re- i thought it really gave us we weren't just mindlessly going to different places within the action. We were following the action, but being transported to different parts of the ocean where different characters were battling. Yeah, yeah it flowed incredibly well and, and told the narrative of the battle without actually telling you anything. It was all visual. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's incredibly well done and in- incredibly difficult to do, I should imagine, to keep you kind of keep that pace going and following through. And the amount of visual effects in that would just unbelievable i mean that was all that must have been 100 percent cg and must I, have been. yeah it must have been because the, the the cg budget uh most of it was spent it felt like in that final battle because that was un nothing was spent on that um scene with the chains no right am i right i said that in the previous episode I know. Those, I was going to bring that up before we before we get any further because that was just shit. The part where where uh, you've got Orm has now his soldiers have now captured Aquaman and he's chained up. Those chains, those Atlantean chains, and I watched it in three D. I was thinking maybe it'll look better here. I it those chains just look so bad and I, and i'm not you know i but i thought I'm not, even the background in that scene looked terrible you could yeah. tell it was painted yeah yeah it wasn't it wasn't i mean it was like watching um phantom menace if you remember watching that and you're in the hangar and all of a sudden you notice in the background that the ships are paintings 
And it's, you notice it in that one, but you won't see the paintings in episode four, five, and six. Yeah, I think both... It Mar- was really clear. I, I honestly think that both both Marvel Studios and Warner Brothers have some work to do with some of the, with some of the CG in their films. Marvel, yes. Marvel had a problem, I felt like, in that final Black Panther battle. I think that they've had a problem with Tony's suits in a lot since mm-hmm. they stopped using practicals like real suits after yeah, Iron Man Banner 2 and the Hulkbuster at the end of Infinity War oh yeah yeah, yeah. Sure. absolutely terrible basically like a, it was Banner's floating head in a CGI <laughs> suit um, god I can't watch that scene anymore it's bad it's bad. <laughs> yeah <clears throat> But yeah, um, they both have some work to do as far as some of the things, you know, I I think like Marvel's perfected the de-aging. I think Warner Brothers will get there. Like this was their first real attempt at that. And I thought that they did a decent job. I could see the seams, but they did a decent job. I think it'll only get better. As we said, it just looked a bit too shiny. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't imperfect enough. Yeah. If you know what I mean, it was it was just they've gone for the complete. You know, Photoshop rather than let's just make her look younger. In a movie where they've made some bad, you know, humor choices and some bad choices with like character origins, as far as I'm concerned with Black Manta, one of the things that they, they really got right in this, though, I felt like were was the action, and I think that's one of the main reasons a lot of people are showing up to this movie is to watch the action, and I think that James Wan did a really fantastic. I Tupperware the action in this movie. Because I think, like, James Wan did some really interesting stuff here with what he had. And what does he have? He has an underwater world. And I think that he really showed what he can do as far as, like, what makes this movie different than other action movies is the fact that it does take place underwater. And he he did give us some really cool underwater action. Like, you know, guys riding sharks, guys riding, like, gigantic seahorses, gigantic sea monsters. Just the way that they would swim underwater, the way that we would watch Aquaman swim at super high speeds and navigate through, you know, the ocean debris and things falling. And I I thought it was cool. I loved Mira when she would use her power and kind of like uh, control the water. I thought that that was very cool. I thought it looked very cool, especially when she saved Arthur's father, that scene oh, yeah. was just just the way her eyes lit up, just the way that the water was swirling around her. It, it was it was like uh, she was like female Moses. It was awesome. <laughs> it was well, so I, cool. I love that that's like her power, like that she could pull the water out of people. She could control the water in like such a really uh, refined way, you know, so she not only creates like she not only shoves the water away so that Arthur can get his dad out of the out of the truck, but then you know of course he's got water in his lungs. And what does she do? She put like she pulls the water out of his lungs so that he can breathe again. I thought that was a great scene. Even the scene in the in the desert where she she pulls mo- like moisture out of Arthur's body to create that one drop of water and and activates like the message cylinder. Like I really enjoyed like how she could use her powers. Like I thought like that was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I had enough fun with this movie, but I, it did have its problems. Um, it's not going to solve the problems of the DCEU, but I think at the box office, it will. I think at the box office, it's a, it's enough to keep the people over there at Warner brothers happy 
with the direction of this. I, I wonder if there's going to be a huge drop-off next week. Uh, Aquaman is owning the box office this week. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But, you know, overall, I felt like, you know, watching this movie, I had enough of a good time. I, I was really hoping to high-taste this one, and I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I, mm-hmm. It was one of those things where I really wanted to high-taste it. And I, I honestly feel like if they would have just tweaked a few things – it could have been a high taste. What really drags this one down for me is some of the forced laughs and some of the bad jokes. Some of them hit and some of them just just drop the ball. And then the Black Manta origin and the representation of the character mm-hmm. just destroyed this movie for me. And just the fact that they kept cramming him into so many different scenes in this movie and then really doing nothing special with the character just really hurt this film overall so agreed yeah i i thought atlantis looked gorgeous though oh my mm-hmm. god oh absolutely atlantis looked beautiful i every time that we had like those overhead shots like when they would be like flying or like not flying swimming over atlantis or whatever mm-hmm. but like water I, flying water flying thank there you water go. flying uh <laughs> <laughs> Aeronautics expert Matt Kirby, water flying. So, and it was all lit up. I mean, those were the scenes that, to me, I felt like were just the most visually stunning. And mm-hmm. and then, you know, too, the scene you mentioned earlier, Brian, like when they were over the trench and they they dived in, they dove into the water with the with the um, flare. That was absolutely gorgeous. What, what about and, the underwater bridge to Atlantis? That whole scene. Oh, beautiful. With absolutely all the, is that the Is that the other end of the bridge that comes out of um, Asgard? It is. It absolutely that's what, is. That's what I thought. I thought they were linked it, somehow. 100% is that same goddamn rainbow bridge that leads you right down <laughs> to Atlantis. Yeah, it, I mean, it's... I mean, again, this is like... he. You know, James Wan pulled from a lot of stuff that's already out there, which a lot of movies do. I'm not saying like, you know, he's the only person in the world to ever do that. Like, but there are things in here that are going to remind you of things you've already seen. And I feel like the that Rainbow Bridge was one of them. And I like, think that's the whole problem that DCU has got is that because they're playing catch up. There's always they're always going to be something that you go oh they've just taken that from that I mean if you really want to tear this film down it is kind of Thor oh, a, a, it, a prince a prince of a country absolutely. Rainbow Bridge needs a weapon to be king that's kind of Thor it's absolutely Thor it definitely has elements of Black Panther in it I well, mean I mean if we can all say that they come yeah. from uh, you know Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's you know King Arthur yeah. I mean, oh yeah, oh, yeah, no, you, you, yeah I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying. That. But the trouble is, with it, within pop culture, we reference the, the what we know before. So, sure. so we're going to reference. I mean, Wonder Woman. I still think was quite a lot of taken that from First Avenger. This one is Thor. What's next? What are, you know? What are they going to do for Wonder Woman two? Are we going to get the Winter Soldier? It's, it, <laughs> it always seems to me like, and I, I hate saying this because I would much rather read DC comics and I'd much rather see some great DC movies, but it always feels like they are just chasing Marvel's tail. I, I will never agree their own story. I will never agree with the Wonder Woman stealing from the first Avenger. It was two different wars and she's a, she's, she's a God. I mean, it's two completely different things. World War One was completely different war than World War Two. And they, you know, using the gases and all that stuff, and that came into play in this movie and and in that movie. I 
I don't. I will never fall for. I will never agree with the Wonder Woman first Avenger comparisons. Okay. I just can't. I just can't. I. Yeah, I. I'm. I. I know. I, I'm with you on that one, Brian. Too. Like. Uh, I just, I don't know. I felt like there was enough differences in Wonder Woman to set her apart, but she's um, from an island with a bunch uh, where she was raised by women. It's like I don't, I don't remember that in Steve's origin story, but yeah, and that was the deleted scene. I guess so. I <laughs> and scene. and then you know, and then of course you know this was World War One, and then Steve's was World War Two, and I, I you know and. So I don't know. I, I just, yeah, I, that's, a, that's another podcast. Uh, but um, I, uh, let's talk about, <laughs> Rebecca, the mid-credits scene that we got in this movie. The whole Black Manta is rescued by Dr. Stephen Shin and basically says, I will, you know, I'll, uh, what was it? I will, uh, I want revenge on... Arthur, you just got to show me where Atlantis is. I got to find yeah. this guy. <laughs> well, I, I said, first of all, <laughs> I, well, hold on, real quick. Is two to three weeks ago on this very podcast, like this was the rumored ending that I had heard about before the movie even came out internationally, and I kind of like was like, ah, eh, that sounds terrible. Uh, I hope that's not it. Uh, I even talked with Joe Vitale about it from the Supercast. We kind of. Message. I said, dude, do you want to hear about the possible post credit scene? And I had read about it on DCEU Leaks on Reddit. And me and Joe were just like, oh, I hope that's not what happens. And it played out beat for beat. Everything that I brought up in the podcast like three, four weeks ago played out beat for beat. It was the exact same description that I had read on DCEU Leaks. I hated this. I thought it was just oh, terrible. It was just – well, I – um we, it's not like we got a ton of this character, Dr. Stephen Shin, what's his name? Yeah, Dr. Shin. Shin. Um, I, I will say that when he first showed up, uh, it was just like a clip of him talking on some news show, and he was like, this just proves that lettuce is real, and, and, and they're like making fun of him or whatever. That whole thing looked like a scene out of Sharknado, first of all, and my entire theater laughed including myself i thought it was ridiculous so when he showed up again at the end i was like this guy oh my god and then he was like show me where atlantis is but first show me where to get this guy fling and he throws his stupid knife at the stupid picture and i was just like stupid it was so dumb and corny and i tossed that whole thing it's terrible does not agreed. It just doesn't make me like look forward to the next movie at all. I'm maybe ha- it'll be like a buddy comedy between Stephen Shin and Black Man. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I hope they go in a different direction by that time, or if they do decide to have Black Man to be the main villain, they they work on that character and give him some something better to work with. Because I was not impressed, and you know, th- I felt like. This movie had to be made, and, and it was it was a safe movie. Um, they had to do a lot of course correction because two movies in with this character of Arthur, and he wasn't the king of Atlantis yet, and we had to get that movie. We had to get that movie where we get him in the proper costume. We had to get that movie 
you know, where now he's the king of Atlantis, you know. Oh, did you guys notice, like, the, the what was it, uh, when he had the battle with King Orm and they had the stats up on the screens? Oh. <laughs> And yeah, it said that was actually quite clever. <laughs> it said I had all like you know it had King Orm and his stats and all of his pros, and then of course like uh, and and then for uh, Aquaman it had his pros and cons. Under pros it had nothing, and under cons it said like surface dweller, half breed, and drunk. Yeah, <laughs> that actually made me laugh. That was like I think the one joke I laughed like belly laughed at. Like, oh, that's funny. Everything else, I was like, it was sort of like, either it was no laugh or it was like, oh, <laughs> it was like that kind of laugh. It was, but that joke to me really landed. I thought it was very clever. That was good. very funny. That yeah. was good. Um, in a uh, talk with Collider, James Wan revealed a scene that was actually cut from the script. It, it was never filmed, but it at one time was in the script. And he said uh, he had a really quirky out there sequence it wasn't the studio. It was me. And he's talking about Aquaman. It was, it was me that said, I don't know if we can have that in there. That's a bit weird as much as I loved it. He had, a, he had the sequence where Aquaman has been apprehended by King Orm and he's been thrown into this dungeon, like this really awful prison deep in Atlantis. He ends up starting a prison riot where all the guards are sharks. They were shark guards, like all shark head. And he kills one of the shark guards and the sharks start bleeding. And then that starts a feeding frenzy among all the other shark guards. It just went nuts. We're talking like clouds of blood billowing everywhere. And he uses that to escape. I was like, holy crap. I don't know if I can do that. Yeah, that's a bit weird. <laughs> a bit I also think, like, I don't think you should put sharks in charge of guarding people because they aren't too easily distracted by blood in the water. Like, one little nick and it's like, it's all gone to shit. But, like, that sounds crazy. That sounds like a crazy scene. What? Yeah, and you got shark decon guards. <laughs> so. Oh, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I found out the Fisherman King people, those were, um, they were created, they, it was a combination of makeup for the top half, and then the whole bottom half was all computer generated. And I thought it, I thought it looked pretty decent. And I found and out... The, the king was Jaiman Hansu, wasn't the it? The king was Jaiman Hansu. The wife was, that was uh, one of the producer's... Wives. Uh, it was uh, Peter. Oh God, I can't remember the name of the producer now. But it was one of the producers' wives played the the wife of the Fisherman King, and I was like, oh okay, that's cool. She had like one line, and I, you know, I don't know what this guy's wife looks like, but yeah, he threw his wife in the fucking movie. <laughs> uh, let's see here, box office, and this comes from THR. Uh, Aquaman eyes sixty eight million. Bumblebee, Mary Poppins, Battle for Number Two. Uh, Warner Brothers Aquaman easily came in number one Friday with roughly 28 million from 4,125 theaters with a projected weekend debut of 67 million plus one of the best showings ever for the year and holiday corridor outside of the Star Wars films Uh, overseas. The picture has already amassed north of 300 million, much of it from China. Uh, Bumblebee is open to roughly 8 million on Friday. Um, 
and is predict- projected to post a weekend of 22 million between 22 to 24 million. So, um, yeah. And then, oh, this is from Forbes about the box office. In China, the Jason Momoa Amber Heard movie has earned a superb 135.3 million. It is already bigger in China than any prior solo MCU superhero movie. Solo MCU wow. superhero wow. movie. Not they're not talking about you know Avengers or uh, you know uh, Age of Ultron or Avengers or Infinity War. Just solo films. Uh, among all superhero flicks, it's beyond. It's behind only Captain America: Civil War, Avengers: Age of Ultron, Venom, and Avengers: Infinity War. And unless it sinks like a stone, then it'll earn around $45 million this weekend and end the frame just over Civil War's lifetime total. Wow. So, yeah, it's blown up in China. They absolutely love it there. So I, I think a lot of that has to do – I bet it has to do with how visually stunning this is, the action, and probably the 3D, the 3D technology in this one. Because I, I – did either of you see this in 3D? No. No, I did not. I, it looked pretty damn spectacular in 3D. It looked pretty good. It, it looked really good. Um, there were some scenes that looked really good in this movie. And I, and I know China, I'd say, like, most of their theaters are equipped with 3D. Um, they love 3D over there. I think, like, 80% of their screens are 3D. So... Yeah, it's blown up in China. This movie's doing well. I think it'll garner a sequel. Um, what would you guys want from the sequel? Where do you want them to go with Aquaman? Ooh. Oh, man. Um, Somewhere better. Oh. <laughs> okay, can we, mean, can we be a little less broad? Oh, it's two in the morning. <laughs> You signed uh, up for no, I signed you up for this. <laughs> I would say like now that he's established as the king of Atlantis, I don't I think if they if they bring in like somebody who's gonna challenge him to the throne that becomes too much like Black Panther, I don't think they'll they'll do that. But I would like to see I don't know if I, I I would I would like to see more Black Manta, but I want to see him given more to do and better stuff to do. And I would like to see I would like to see in in, in a sequel like uh, it doesn't have to be like a huge part of it, but I would like to see like Aqu- like a day in the life of Aquaman. Like what does he do underwater? Like does he like resolve disputes or like like I'd like to see some of that. A little bit of like what he does like day to day as like king of of Atlantis. Um, I I would like them to keep the movie contained, keep it in. I want to see more of Atlantis. I could keep it there. Uh, don't bring it up on maybe surface too much if you don't have to. Yeah, it's just I'm trying to think. I'd of- like to see his mom and dad on a pier every day until they die just have a nice ending for them <laughs> for the whole movie just sunset sunrises tea coffee breakfast on the pier <laughs> just nice i i want to see more of them in the movie in the in the sequel too like i hope we get some more of them and like you know maybe seeing uh, how they now like is she going to stay above above land forever now i get i guess she might but 
yeah, I'd like to see more of their life together. I mean, to be honest, I don't know enough about Aquaman's roster of villains to sort of say where I'd like to see this. I'll be honest with you. We got most of them. I mean, like, his his two big villains are going to be Ocean Master and Black Manta. I mean, you can go with, like, I guess you can add Siren in there. I guess you can add... Uh, I'm trying to think of like who else that you could add in there. But there, those are the two big ones, and we got them both in this movie. And I feel like that's like like where are they going to go in the next one? Maybe do a bit of a crossover and do Aquaman versus the Megalodon, or Aquaman versus Mega Shark, or something. You know, a bit crazy. Aquaman stops the next Sharknado. Like exactly. Yeah, I mean, would you guys want to see like? Would you want them to explore – because in the comics, haven't they hinted – and correct me if I'm wrong. You guys know better than me. But like in the past, hasn't like Wonder Woman and Aquaman have had like some of a – not like a love story, but like there's been some love interest there between them? Wasn't that only in the Flashpoint universe? Oh, okay, okay. I think. I'm not. I'm not. Don't okay. quote me on that. But I know that they had a thing, and the, the, that was the reason in the Flashpoint universe because oh. one of them killed Mira because they were having. An, it was all a bit complicated. Um, I, I say so I just don't know. I mean, do you? Are they going to be able to do something without having a world-ending catastrophic event happen that he needs to stop or needs to you know save the world's oceans from a big oil spill? It, nothing sounds superhero enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and I say they, they've wasted, as far as I'm concerned, they've wasted Black Manta. That I don't think there is a way back for him um, unless they almost kind of completely retcon and, and bring another Black Manta so someone else finds the suit or, or this guy dies and someone that did, you know, Aquaman killed uh. or killed someone's parents by accident during that battle. I don't know. They could do anything, but they. They've wasted Black Manta. I wanted um, Mahershala Ali as Black Manta. That's who I wanted, and because I, I, you know, he's done Marvel and he was fantastic in in uh, Luke Cage yeah. when he was in Luke Cage, and now he's just a huge actor. He's blown up, and I was like, man, Mahershala Ali could really bring something to that role, and I just, I. Yeah, they wrote this character all wrong, in my opinion. They just slapped it together and and threw him out there, and the suit looked incredible. But other than that, it was just just bad representation of the character and not a compelling origin story, a laughable origin story, in my opinion. Oh, gotcha! Absolutely, it was just it was it was the worst. I mean, it was so cookie cutter. It was something out of a nineteen nineties Batman movie what's, origin. What's it was just. What's interesting to me, though, is like I'm asking you guys about and you guys kind of prove my point and I'm asking you guys, like, what do you want in the second film? And we don't have a lot of speculation because I feel like they've they've blown a lot, not not blown, spent a lot of it here. Mm -hmm. I think like the next movie they should have teased like we talked about it earlier, Matt, and, you know, teased Black Manta, had something interesting happen at the beginning. And then, I mean, just like Superman one like had it go away maybe tease at the end if you really want to remind audiences at the end that this character's around throw something at the end but like this character was just interspersed throughout this movie and just used (laughs) wrong and and like i feel like yeah those are the two main aquaman villains i mean i guess you can pull from some other you know lesser known stories they've done it before 
with other with Marvel characters, they've taken some of these lesser known villains and lesser known characters and turned them into something. So I think that's what will happen. Whoever is going to be the director and the writers on the next film, they're going to sit down. DC is going to hand, hand them this list of Aquaman villains, and they are just going to flip through these pages, and they're going to figure I'm out. I'm just looking at the uh, Aquaman enemies on Wikipedia. And yeah, I'm doing the same. Yeah, there is Captain Demo. A <laughs> well, well, a lot. That, yeah. A lot that he has were in this movie. Yeah, and exactly. I mean, unless you bring in King Shark, which, you know, I guess you could. but Or what if, like... I don't know. What if, what if like the young princess that we saw, like, like the fisherman princess, what if, uh, what if she becomes bitter against like what King Orm has done and, uh, like she, that he killed her father and she decides to like go and take revenge. And yeah, but the, the, the trouble is he has the, the trident now he has, um, dominion, like is a dominion over in the entire ocean. He controls all yeah. the fish. He controls anything and like that's that's fish like. Yeah. So it, it has to be something from outside the ocean coming that in, in that yeah, could right. even be a threat to him. The, no, you're unless right. Someone gets the trident. Yeah. The, unless, yeah. Exactly. Unless someone steals the trident, or it's an outside force coming in, invading his world. Uh, I don't know. It's hard to speculate. It's hard unless they pull something and they make up a new character or they pull a character from a different, you know, uh, hero and make them a villain for Aquaman just to make it interesting. I do think that they'll probably go through like the list of Aquaman villains and like work with one of them and maybe change them to fit the story that they want to get. And I think that Orm will probably be a part of that story. There was the line at the end of this movie after he defeats Orm on top of the, on top of that vessel. And he says, you know, Hey, when you're ready, let's talk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there is that line. And I think that there might be a moment where he needs him, um, where he needs Orm or, you know, they, they're they're brothers, and so I I hope that they don't. I mean, Matt, you compared it to Thor earlier. I don't want them to turn Orm into Loki by any. Oh stretch. God, I don't think they ever could. <laughs> so, I think they could try, but they'd fail. That's yeah. that's my fear is them trying, right? Yeah. You know, and like, can you ever really trust this guy? You know, and and I don't want to see them go that way. But they didn't throw that character away. It's not like Ocean Master is gone. So. I mean, yeah, we could potentially see like this. That's what I'm. That's what I'm worried about here. Is like in the second one, do, do, you know, do they have that talk? Do, do they start to work together? And then by the end of that movie, now they're setting up Ocean Master to come back and be the villain for part three, and they're going to give him a new suit and all this other stuff. And now Aquaman three. Be, I don't know. I, it's all speculation. They they gave us they the teases that they gave us did not have me excited leaving the theater. The teases that they gave us of Black Manta being the villain for the next film didn't have me excited. I'm hoping that they're going to just go through and find a villain that they've had in Aquaman comics that's maybe lesser known villain that they can kind of like retool and make cooler update and make cooler and we can get that villain and um and then maybe I don't know. I don't really I mean- no, what I, I don't I don't really care if they follow up with Black Manta. I'll forgive them if we never see that character again. 
Which is well, sad to say. There's one here at the top of the list that I've just spotted called Abyssal Dark. Uh, it was a re- it's a recent character from 2018, a malefic force born of the ancient Atlantans' overuse of magic. The Abyssal Dark is a demon of pure esoteric anima born from conjure. Yeah, I mean that that might be interesting. That works. So it's something. That would work, but it's it's got to be something like that. It's got to be and it something fits, that... And it fits in with this movie, because in this movie, they talked about how, you know, uh, King Atlantis uh, was, you know, he was... Uh, they had, like, this power source and stuff like that, and that power source underneath the water changed, like, their whole environment to where they could breathe, and 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 some of them digressed, and, you know, and, and all this yeah. stuff. Like, maybe that power source is, like, what created this. So, like... For all the good that it did for them, it's also the thing that created like that uh, that <coughs> excuse me that character you just mentioned. Yeah, so you you know you you start the second movie with Black Manta and the the scientist guy I can never remember his name Dr. searching Shen. for a way to release this energy and to release this demon that's been yeah. made mm-hmm. because of that. They really they they get all out, and then you get a, a sort of a heist movie buddy cop to release the demon, and it, you know that's how it could work. Yeah, yeah. But you still wasted. You, you still got this laughable joke of a character oh, of Black fuck. Manta. That 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 demon that they release kills the Carathan. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because, that'd like, be impressive. You got to get rid of the Carathan in the next movie. You can't yeah. have that thing around. Like you, like that that thing. Basically, that Carathan. Not the Carathan and Arthur basically ended that war. I mean, that yeah, it's thing a little bit OP, wasn't it? Right. D- totally overpowered, dude. Like it was just like I mean, there was like that huge underwater ship and that thing just basically took like it's like crab limb and destroyed the fuck out of it. I was just like, "Oh my gosh, this thing is just terrorizing everything." Julie Andrews voice of the Carathan people. Yeah, loved it. Yeah. She did. Yeah. Yeah. She she actually turned down a cameo in Mary Poppins Returns to do this instead. Is that she was, true that she turned it, it down for this? Because I think that they did. She these turned it down because she didn't want to overshadow Emily Blunt. Is what I was. That's what, what I, was I heard. I, well, I've heard, she said that it conflicted with her schedule to do this. I would think it's a little bit from column A and a little bit from column B. To I, be I think you're. I think you're right, Matt. I mean, because when when Mary Poppins Returns came out, there were people who were asking why wasn't she offered a cameo? And she was offered a cameo. Yeah. Just as Dick Van Dyke uh, was offered and took a cameo in this movie, she said she didn't want to overshadow Emily Blunt. And then she also said she had uh, a scheduling conflict uh, where she was apparently recording stuff for this. So, yeah, I mean, I, e- either way, you're not talking massive parts that are taking up months. Yes. You're talking a cameo in yeah. one and, and a, a day in a voice booth for the yeah. other. Right. You know, exactly. they could have a conflicting contract. They, no, yeah. it's, it's not, not really. Yeah, I mean, it's not she, like a mustache and foot and yeah, Mission Impossible. She's not, <laughs> she's not got like four to six months of shooting. It's like, no. yeah, this was like one or two days in a recording booth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. So yeah, she could have done it. Yeah, overall, it's a taste it for me. I, I, you know, th- this is the movie that I think that they needed to make. It was course correction for the character. They had to have him at the throne of Atlantis by the end of this movie. We got that movie. So now that they've got this movie out of the way, I'm hoping with them having like a, this new clean slate, this new fresh start with the character, that the next movie they can give us some shocking things because that's 
what's most exciting for me now, I guess. I, I don't know where, because like, we don't really know where they're going to go in the next movie. They could really it, do anything. It's more steps in the right direction for the DCEU, isn't it? They're not there yet, but you can see yes. that they, they're getting the idea right. They're getting to that point where they can start really producing good stories, good movies, and great characters again. Ooh, can I talk about another thing that I really liked in this movie is watching Aquaman do heroic things for people. I liked that. I liked seeing mm. him rescue the people in the submarine. You know, those uh, the, the Russians at the beginning. Yeah. I liked, yeah. I also liked in Italy when the structure fell on the guy, him lifting it off of the guy and then going back to fight the battle. I, I, those were things that I like. I love seeing a hero doing heroic things. And I think like, uh, I got to applaud James Wan and like the guys for throwing that in there. I, I don't want to see like the moments of like Superman just showing up and doing things and looking angry while he's doing them. Like this was like, <laughs> this yeah. was, you know, yeah, this was Momoa taking the time to, uh, you know, to do these things and, and looking like a real superhero doing them. And I, and I appreciated that. I, I, I Tupperware that, that they, that, you know, even though they, they've tried to make Aquaman look like a badass, you know, and like this was a lot of the Jeff Johns stuff. Like a lot of this was inspired by the Jeff Johns New 52 run of the character. Even though they try to make Jeff, uh, the Aquaman look like a badass, he could still have fun and he could still be a nice guy to people. And, you know, so I, I like that. Yeah, I, I do too. I'm a big fan of that. I enjoyed seeing Aquaman, but that that's kind of also what his his mother tells him. Uh, and I really love that scene too, where he is about to go and try to get the get the trident, and and she's like, "You could be more than a king. You could be a hero. A hero fights for everyone." And he's already been doing that, and now he just needed this one last piece. And and that's. That was great. That was the character growth I was looking for and that I saw in the character of Aquaman. You know, when he goes, when he starts questioning, like, should I have really let that guy's father die? Like, I kind of caused this entire situation and you could be hurt by that. And and him saying, yeah, I'm scared. I'm used to just fighting. You know, I'm used to hiding my fear and, and just fighting. But now it's not enough. That kind of stuff. I Tupperware all of that. I loved that. I thought watching the hero really understand what it means to be a hero. I love that kind of stuff. And I felt like we got that in this movie. Yeah, that that scene really like even on the second viewing, like really hit me with Nicole Kidman delivering mm-hmm. those lines like, you you know, you're the hero to everyone. And and, and I, absolutely. I, I was like, wow, that's. You know, it just it, it takes you back to another scene at the beginning of the movie that I loved, where she's talking to him and show, telling him about the lore of the the Atlanteans and like how one day, you know, one of you know he could unite them and and all this stuff. And it's like here he is getting a, a speech by his mother, and it's pumping him up, and like she's kind of the catalyst of why he's going in there and doing the right thing. And I loved like when he was talking with the Karath, and he's like, I don't think that. You know, I'm worthy and I'm this and that I'm that, you know, and I I was just like, I was like, cool. He's he's humbled. He's humbled in this moment. And and Mm -hmm. and and uh, and he's humbled by, you know, he's not he's not doing this for power. He's doing this for the people. And that's why he was worthy. And that that all did kind of add up and it all made sense and it all worked. So I liked it. Yeah, for sure. Same here. 
So that is Aquaman. Any final thoughts on the old Aquaman? All right, that is a no. That's it. All red right, hair. that's it. Yeah, red I, hair. I don't want to like. Yeah, red hair. Okay. I don't like. I don't. I don't like. Yeah, I don't like that to linger. Like when the silence goes on too long, it just drives me nuts. But anyway, uh, yeah, this was Aquaman. We will be back. I'm actually recording a Bumblebee episode tomorrow, so we're gonna have a bu- bonus episode of uh, Bumblebee coming out tomorrow. So stick around for that. Wait for that. And just like all good left. Oh, Matt, thanks for joining us, man. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. It seems it's that time of year again, isn't it? Yes. I've come yes. on for the last episode before Christmas. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's yeah. the third year in a row. Third. Wow. <laughs> just making it a tradition. It's a Christmas tradition. It is my new Christmas tradition. <laughs> it's, a, it's the new Christmas tradition. Hey, Rebecca, thanks again for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Lovely to talk to you and great to talk to you too, Matt. Always enjoy talking to you. All right. And just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage and thanks for listening. We will see you tomorrow with Bumblebee. I'm going to see it for a third time tomorrow. (laughs) Lucky. Lucky bastard. (laughs) All right. See you then. Later. Bye. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party Subculture spill over like a vulture Carryover counterculture pushovers Pop culture Leftovers And with the uncool kids What's to say's already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Podcasts that are original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the chaff. And we're the chaff, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushover. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushovers. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.
Leftovers.